Hello and a very warm welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Big Carp News Podcast. I'm your host Joel Harbour and I'm delighted to be bringing you a number of podcasts over the coming months of which we will be talking all things carpy right here in the USA. Everything from the history of carp angling right up to current times and absolutely everything in between. So whether you're out on the road or out on a session waiting for a fish or just relaxing in the comfort of your own home, grab yourself a drink, take the weight off and sit back as I'm delighted to connect you with a number of guests right here on the Big Carp News Podcast. Our next guest is an angler that makes every move with a very thought-out approach and over the years doing so has produced some outstanding captures for him. He's an active sports enthusiast, coach, dog lover and husband that has put in more than his fair amount of time to help the growth of the sport by the way of Carp Anglers Group as their editor of the digital and physical publications. He has a wealth of knowledge out on the wild rivers but just at home on the intimate lakes and ponds over many states of New England. It's my pleasure to welcome to the fifth episode of the Big Carp News Podcast, Mr. Dean Brooks. Uh, You might hear the occasional dog in the background. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over food at the moment. I was gonna. You got you got a new addition, haven't you? You got another one now. Yeah, she's a. The problem is she's smart, so she's smarter. Dogs are always harder to train. Oh, jeez. Because they're, they're 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 easier to teach things, but they're harder to train. Right, right. They're, right. they're obstinate if they don't want to do it. And then my little one has just confiscated a bone off her, so he's like he's like a little Hitler. So I, <laughs> I remember you having um, one of them with you. Where, one time uh, when you were out, I think I bumped into you, and uh, yeah, uh, I think one of the little one, I think the little one with you, maybe I'm not too sure. Yeah, the, the little one, my, my well, my previous lab, uh, just as coronavirus was hitting, we had to put her down. Oh, so, no. <clears throat> so she used to come fishing with me, on and off, but she just she loved the water, so she'd be, you know, if, if I hooked a fish, she'd be in the water swimming after it. <laughs> so she, she was a handful to take. Uh, so the, little one, the little one's good because he he just keeps to himself. And you know, if anyone comes near, if I've got if I'm fishing from the car, if anyone comes near the car, he alerts me to the fact. Uh, and then I have another one who's kind of a Dalmatian cross who I take running with me because um, he's he, he just he loves it. And then this new one. She's a cross lab cross, but I think she's got pit bull because she chews, she's chewing everything. And <laughs> yeah, but I've taken, I took a fishing. Um, I, t- I did definitely, t- I took a fishing a couple of, uh, when was it on my birthday? I ended up up at St. Lawrence. Yeah. I was supposed to go for th- three days, but I ended up with work. I, I it was a, it was a longest drive for an overnight ever. Oh. Jeez, yeah, it's quite a way that. Yeah, it's like a six-hour drive. <laughs> was it worth well, it? Did you get anything? <laughs> I did. I got I got a couple of fish. One uh, nice, you know, mid twenty. But considering there was three or four other people that fished that spot for a week after, and they only caught twenty fish between them, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was, you know, the, the thing with the Saint Lawrence, you, I don't know if you, you've been up there recently, but 
I used to get that, actually. Yeah. Used to get fished a lot more. So there used to be a lot of popular areas where bait would go into. So I get, you know, the, the fish would be there more. Uh, yeah. Now, you know, they're not necessarily, they'll go where they want to go, where the food is. So if there's no food going in regularly, they're not necessarily going to visit those areas as much. Right, yeah. Well, um, last couple of podcasts actually has come up, same same kind of scenario where, you know, a lot of anglers are going up there now and it's not as prolific as it obviously we know it used to be. Um, you know, bigger fish, more of them, and now it's kind of sparse and, and smaller fish are in the mix. It's kind of one of those, isn't it? Not as much bait going in and uh, they don't really come through those feeding areas anymore. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's. I did listen. I haven't listened to all the podcasts, but I listened to the last two, so I did hear hear some of that. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah from Ian and uh, Ed. Yeah, Eddie. Eddie's. Oh man, what a character. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah. He, he he sounds to me just like Jay Leno. He's from that. I think he's from the same kind of area. He's a New Yorker. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. It was good to just kind of have have, um, have some time with him that wasn't about any time that I've kind of spent any time with him. It's always been an out fishing and kind of, Tom, Tom Hannock that way. Yeah, Tom Hannock. We've done a few fishings. Um, there's a little uh, little mirror pond that's um, kind of mid mid New York. It's uh, Thomas Ball Memorial. It's uh, that's, that's why he does his fishings, right? Yeah, it's it's great actually. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a really nice kind of central location, especially for the CAG guys that are kind of uh, fairly close together in that area, and um, it produces a lot of nice little mirrors as well. So very very nice little spot. But yeah, that was it was a fantastic one. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed speaking with Ian as well. Now he's down in Florida. <laughs> yeah, nowhere near anywhere. Nowhere near any carp. Well, that's okay. He said, yeah, he said like eight hours or something like that. God. <laughs> yeah, he's, you've got to go up towards Pensacola to the, uh, I forget the name of the river, Al, Al something or other. Al, there's a river up, up that way, uh, kind of on the panhandle that has carp in it. But, <clears throat> I mean, he's in a nice area. Naples is the only area I would ever move to in Florida, God. unless it was kind of Miami. Or, yeah. or uh, yeah, I mean, Ian does like fishing for other species as well. So. Well, that's yeah. it. He's about big multi-species angler, isn't he? So, and he, yeah. he's enjoying it a lot by the sounds of things, which is always good. So, well, yeah, he's locked out with a. He's he's met someone who's got a boat who needs help with it. So that's right. You're saying, yeah, yeah it sounds great. Yeah, so uh, I've got to get down there at some point. Yeah, I think we all have to. Yeah. <laughs> now I was supposed to go down three three times this year, but. We had to cancel every trip because of the coronavirus. Yeah, and I mean uh, that that's probably impact. Well, for, you know, um, persons like yourself you work work in the school environment, don't you? So um, uh, soccer. Oh, um, so, okay, yeah. So uh, training and stuff like that's kind of impact, impacted you, right? In quite a way. Uh, well, we didn't we didn't have a spring season, uh, so it impacted us financially, business wise. I mean, my job, I the person person who did a similar role to me left in March and I ended up temporarily taking their their clubs and programs which isn't really temporary because I've just absorbed them all so uh, so it's been a lot I'm probably busier now than I have been before um, well you know it'll, it'll all resolve itself by the end of the year once we're once we're back to kind of some kind of normality yeah fingers crossed huh Jeez. yeah <laughs> yeah you can't complain at least you know what i've got a job uh wife's got a job you know yeah everyone yeah. everyone's healthy there is yeah a- that's yeah. it i mean uh, it could be way there's a lot of places that are obviously way worse around the world isn't there so absolutely 
Brilliant stuff. Now, um, I, when I spoke to her the other day, you were out, off out for a run. How's all that going? I know you do a lot of um, lot of running. How'd you get into that? Just through the training and stuff. I mean, I've always I've always done sports like sports mad from from a young age. So you know, I did my I, when I was at college. You know, never really you know kind of never really enjoyed running. But at college, I joined a running club. You know, trained for the London Marathon. Didn't get in. So I'd done that kind of stuff, and then. You know, coming over to America, you get, I don't know if it was, if it's been the same for you. I, the first five years when I came here was a culture shock because I'm eating Dunkin' Donuts every day, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Dunkin' Chinos, you know, breakfast sandwiches and not really overeating as such, but you know, before you know it, you've put 30, 40 pounds on. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a definitely a big change of, uh, lifestyle in terms yeah. of that, isn't it? So, so I think when I met my wife, you know, about 12 years ago now, we've been married Maybe it's a bit longer. We've been married over 10 years. I just, I had a hot, hot, she's a nurse. So she made me go for the full physical and, you know. Right, right. It was, it was like, oh my God, I need to do this. So I just started to exercise again. And then, you know, the last, I've done a bunch of half marathons and different things every year. But <clears throat> I'd say the last couple of years, you know, I've, I've, you know, I run usually anywhere between four and five times a week, most weeks. Um, <clears throat> not ridiculous amount you know 20 30 miles a week um but during this coronavirus it's really you know well um, some people have gone the other way and just done nothing yeah I've, it's yeah, definitely done that isn't it <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i you know i feel guilty if i don't go out it's and it's good for work because you know i, I close my laptop you know hope usually when the wife comes in about five you know leave it off for a bit go for a run cook uh, and don't you know until she goes bad? I don't even I don't try not to open it back up again. So the, <laughs> the running's been good for that. I mean, it's like anything, like you on the bike. Yeah, I've been loving that. Yeah, it takes it take you know, and again, it may take you even longer. It takes a while before it stops becoming. Oh my god, this is killing me. To yeah, no, definitely now I'm to the point where it's like I, like you don't I don't necessarily feel bad, but I know, I feel it if I definitely if I don't try and get out at least a couple yeah of and, and, and i enjoy like when i'm running i enjoy the running but you know i have, i've got the personality i like to i, I like the pain i like to discomfort, <laughs> discomfort so you know it's good burn. yeah i know what you mean and, and you know as you get older i'm like you know my priorities have changed you know i used to be a, you know into weight training a lot and then you know earlier in my years bodybuilding and all that and like i i I don't really weight train or do any of that stuff anymore because, you know, for me now it's all functional, you know, do it, you know, can you move? Are you healthy? You know, when you, course, you know, yeah. you know sure. especially, especially, you know, like, I mean, r running is not necessarily good for your joints, but uh, I'm healthier now than, than I was 20 years ago, probably. Um, crazy. Jeez. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know, I've, I've just been, you, you change your priorities, you change, you know, what, you know, again, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I eat healthy. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, nuts about it, but, you know, this, you know, as your genetics change, as your metabolism slows down, you've got to, if you don't change, you're going to, you know, like Ed was saying there with the stress, you don't know genetically, are you predisposed to heart disease or, you know, a heart attack right, or right. anything like that. And, you know, my, my family history, you know, we, we, you know, blood pressure, is not good, you know, and, and I've, had high, I've had high blood pressure when I was really healthy, you know, at 17. It's just something genetic. So if I don't look after myself, it, it probably wouldn't be a good outcome. So, 
Um, yeah, it's always that's been a difficult one for I think a lot a lot of people. Even, I mean, myself included, like you said, that kind of um, especially the meals, you don't realise how much like sugar is in things until you really actually take it apart. And I've really started to cut back on a lot of that stuff as well. Sugar, bread, really trying to remove those. Well, even like the sugar, like, so let's say you go into the gym or you're going on your bike and you go, oh, you know what? You know, I'm not going to eat such and such. I'll have a cliff, cliff bar. Yeah, right. <laughs> cliff bar's got as much sugar in it as a, a Snickers or a Twix. Yeah. So you, so you may as well, I prefer a Snickers or a Twix. I'm going to have that much sugar. That's may it, as well eat it. Like the peanuts and all that, haven't you, as well? And yeah. So, you, you know, again, a good rule of thumb is, you know, is, does it come from the ground or is it, you know, is it, is it, is it, is it real food basically? Yeah. If, it's real, <laughs> if it's real food, you're probably going to be okay. I mean, sugar and fruit and things like that, I don't worry about. I just, I don't, you know, I don't add sugar to anything. I don't add salt apart from seasoning, you know, meat or fish. I don't add salt to anything. Um, so, you know, it's, and it's tough if you eat, if you like eating out. I mean, my wife loves going out. Yeah, so, it doesn't you know. know. Jeez. That's, that's a challenge <laughs> most places. there's so many fantastic restaurants you know out there now and and you know people doing their thing in the culinary world it's hard not to try a place and be like all right we've got to go back there again and then again and again next thing you know it's like geez (laughs) no and 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 this the one thing i do love about this country is i I mean i have my grill on the deck and yeah just i love grill like in england it's it's a whole oh we're having a barbecue you know it's twice a year you know like you end up nearly burning the fucking garden down. <laughs> so, so now, you know, just to, you know, it's not real grilling, I guess, with propane, but just to turn on the propane, boom, 20 minutes later. Oh, it's so you've got, you've got, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I do yeah, miss doing it with the, um, you know, with the coals, like buying a bag and getting a <clears> and all that. Well, I mean, I have, I have this big double, you know, I have a smoke, like a smoker on it, like a, you know, oh, a, geez. Yeah. On, the, on the other side, you know, and I've had the, thing for three years i've never used a smoker and i've got i've got coals i've got all sorts it's just you know what i'm gonna wait an hour for that to to go up or i'm gonna just throw the propane on it's just like, uh, yeah yeah but you know I, I'm, I'm gonna probably end up getting like a, a traeger if you like the pallet grills oh yeah yeah okay because they're, they're, they're really good and they 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 you can you can throw the pallets in and it you know it's as quick as a propane but it, it gives you the flavor of the 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 you know, whatever flavor palette you put in as well. Oh, that's um, brilliant. One that so, caught my eye was the um, actually when I was I visited down with Dave uh, and the boys there at Big Carp Tackle, and he had this uh, new grill called the Cobb. Have you yeah. seen those? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, fantastic yeah. design, really, like nice and compact, and that <clears> um, you can either use these briquettes or you can use like the you know the the coal, the bagged coal. And well, he and, does. Uh, Dave does like eat on any session. I fish with him a few times. He loves his food and his. And his coffee can't be out of the bank without a good cook up, nice no. curry or something like that, you know. <laughs> no, I do it all the time. I, I, I'm unless I'm you know walking in somewhere, I have a Coleman double burner, uh, you know, and I take all my stuff with me. You know, I always, I always cook something, you know, bottle of wine or a few beers and a nice, you know, yeah, it's worth nothing worse than being out in the bank and wishing you got a good meal when you're in and uh kind of just got, you know, what, a cup got, of noodles or something. Got gone are the days of pot noodles and yeah. uh, ravioli <laughs> in a tin. Luxury. <laughs> yeah, I always remember eating like cold beans out of a tin. When I was oh, yeah, yeah, I've been there, done that. You know, so, yeah. Uh, 
definitely a little bit more luxury now, I guess, as you get older. Yeah, it got to be done. I think that's kind of yeah. important. Brilliant. Now, um, you been, have you been out lately on the bank? I mean, uh, I know you said you were going to try and sneak out and get a quick sly overnighter in. I haven't done much. I really didn't do much of. You know, I went a few times in the winter. You know, I, I've. I know Ian mentioned, talked about the Blackstone. I've fished the Blackstone for. Right. You know, ten years, and and you know, other people have blown that spot up, but you know, I fish. You know, I go down with my feeder rod and fish. You know, just very simple tactics. You know, and have some nice sessions in the winter. So I usually, you know, every couple of weeks I might go out, and then spring, just with the coronavirus and everything else, I avoided fishing because there was way more people out on the bank. Yeah, working. So I didn't really do much in the spring. Uh, and then with my trip to Italy cancelled, kind of my motivation was like, uh, like, you know, <laughs> I, look, I do look forward to those trips. So I was like, uh, I'm, I, so I've been, you know, the last, I've been out a few times, been out with, uh, you know, Adam Kluwer, um, who's another Fox guy who moved over here. Um, a couple of times on the river, <clears throat> fishing a couple of new spots, you know, the, the, the time of year we were fishing him, not, not, not the time of year to be fishing him, but good for future reference. Um, and I was down in the Connecticut uh, area, fished uh, Lee Lee Hearn. You know Lee, don't you? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So did, the old butcher. <laughs> yeah, I did, did a session, you know, like a kind of guest session on on, you know, because I was going to fish Weathersfield anyway. So yeah, and yeah, yeah. they got this little syndicate area there, haven't they? That kind yeah, of yeah. So, so I fished one of the pegs that they're going to fish in the tournament and. Again, there wasn't a lot of fish there, but you know, half a dozen fish on an overnight—you know—never a bad result. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. A nice, it's a nice area too. It's fairly quiet down there. It's, um, yes. no, yeah, it's, it, it was it was nice fishing, and, and I caught up with you know someone I hadn't seen for a few years, so that was good. And then, uh, like I said, I went up to the St. Lawrence on a, an aborted kind of overnight <laughs> trip, uh, and then I've been out like, the last week, the last two weeks, I've been out a couple of times to you know the Connecticut River on on a northern spot you know so first session yeah. and the Connecticut River those sections you know again after the big fish kill five or six years ago there's less fish in the river you know they are recovering but there used to be spots where you, I knew the fish would be there now there's you know the fish come, come through you know every two to four days usually fish are coming through an area so you really just have to look out on if they're there or not so Another big one of those bigger where uh, the 40, that uh, regularly caught, I think, uh, mirror up there, 47 or 48 just came out a few weeks back, I think. It's... Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a few. I mean, and again, you can fish the, you know, there's, there's some very popular areas that the same people fight over. I have yeah. I have zero interest in fishing, though. Yeah. I'd rather go and blank somewhere else and have some peace and quiet. Than... Yeah, you've always been kind of like a stealthy angler or a solo angler so to speak haven't you kind of always just off you know out of the range of the uh the eye of the other anglers and stuff like that i, th I think it goes to you know what you fish for yeah I mean, some people fish for the social aspect you know some people you know again everyone fishes for their own reasons i've always fished because i love fishing and i like the solitude of it so i only tend to go fishing with other people if we have you know common interests and usually, like fishing within, you know, do we talk about fishing? Yes, but we talk about a lot of other stuff. You know, we have a good time. We we eat well. We drink well. You know, so that's when I will go and do a social. Generally, my own fishing. I like to just go and fish and 
you know, I, I go at odd times, you know, because of work. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll turn up an hour before dark, you know, and be gone by, you know, seven or eight in the morning. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, it's antisocial almost, I guess. But, um, you know, and I'm also not a big social media guy. So I don't, you know, if people find out what I'm catching, I prefer it to be after I've, you know, yeah after it's been done and i have no problem like i if i show up somewhere and other people are there and it's spot i've been that's fine like you know like the river the connecticut river is 400 miles long so it's plenty plenty of room room and you know what if you i've you know driven to spots and seen people and i've ended up driving home after because i'm not happy where 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 i could fish oh the river's not in good condition or i'll go or i'll drive an hour somewhere else it doesn't you know, like I said, I, I you know the spot I've just fished. I've had two sessions there over the last ten days, and it's there's no light pollution. You know, there's a little bit of noise because there's a road a little bit further behind you, but it's yeah, beautiful. It's once yeah. you go, once it goes dark, there is zero. You know, there's zero light. It's pitch black. You know, you know, and and yeah, the first session, no fish were there because they weren't. They didn't come through. Right. You know, and then then this week, you know, the fish were there. So I caught. You know, I had three or four fish and. Nothing, nothing monstrous, but probably one of the nicest looking fish I've ever caught. And, you know, it's, it's, again, I do, I, I, you know, I do prefer to catch bigger fish, you know, and target them, but, you know, I just like being out on the bank, you know, and, and just, so I value nothing better, when, yeah. uh, nothing better than when it's pitch black like that, nothing like no light. And then that alarm just boom, bright light led uh, blasting and just kind of nice and wakes you up and all that. I love all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, you know, Again, I like any type of fishing, but that, that is the exciting part, right? You don't, you know, what's one of the things about fishing in America? You know, unless you're fishing somewhere of a known quantity, you just don't know what's going to be on the end oh, of the line. Yeah, and, and, and for a river like that, I mean, we all know whether you're on the upper Connecticut, the lower sections, or wherever, you just really just don't know what fish is going to come along next, do you? I mean, it's, it's kind of... No, it's, it's a very, it's a very, I mean, at times... I mean, I, I, I fish some sections that, again, it's a style of fishing. You know, if, if I've never been someone to, you know, go for three, four days, you know, generally, you know, it's, it's 12 to 24 hours that, that I fish. So my, this is, the way I fish has to be a little bit different because I can't, you know, I'm not trying to attract all the fish into an area and I don't have time to pre-bait. So it's a little bit different, but, you know, I, I generally fish areas that are a little bit harder but the rewards tend to be greater when you do get it right. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and nothing, you know, again, it's an internal thing. But if I, if I catch, you know, when a, when a big, nice 30 or, a, or even a big 40 goes in the net, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, who am I going to post this to? I'm just, it wouldn't bother me if I did, if I never showed anyone, you know? It's, yeah, right. It's, it's, you, know, just, you know, I'm sure you look back at your photos every now and again and you click on Oh, it. I actually just was yes, a couple of days ago. <laughs> I haven't been able to get out myself. And I was just like, I have to have a look back at some of them. While, and I, sure enough, and a few good fish popped up. I was like, man, what a memory. Just kind well, of. Like, you, you also <laughs> sometimes have to remind yourself that you can catch fish, right? Yeah. Well, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do that when, when, when it's, you know, when I, you know, I don't think, you know, again, I haven't fished this much this year, but I've been a few times in the spring where I was like, everything was perfect. Conditions were right. I fish well and I blanked and I'm like, I do know I can catch fish. So I can, you know, occasionally I have to look back and go, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, 
just keep at it you know uh, yeah yeah well just that's it just got to wait for those stars to align and all that and then uh you're good to go uh, obviously we know we can catch those fish that it's just a case of when they're at there there and then when they're feeding and all that and it's a lot yeah. to kind of put together isn't it to make it all happen though um, yeah it's it's, it's time i mean even even if you don't get out uh, that much you know for me the time on any location it's always it's alert it's i'm alert, i'm hopefully learning all the time and it'll it may not help me this year but like some other spots i've fished this year you know spring next year i know they're going to be perfect spots you know where the carp are going to go prior to spawning so you know it's all it's all it's all information that you put in and hopefully you know the the thing with it with a big river is i mean it does change year to year the fish movement does change but generally the fish you know, unless something may just happen, like a big flood that's taken out a bunch of different areas, generally those fish are going to be in the same areas each year. And if you can figure it out, I mean, that's, I mean, there isn't anything more important to me than location. You know, everything else is secondary. You know, if you're not, if you're not where the fish are, you, you're not going to catch them, are you? Well, yeah, that's kind of a big part of the game, isn't it? <laughs> and, 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 and that's why it's not just America. I mean, we see it here now. But, you know, Europe, Britain was like this for a long time. That's why there's so much, you know, people, oh, this is my spot. This is, you know, and they're fighting over specific areas because someone else has already done that location for them. Um, well, that's it. Yeah, they know what's know what's come from it. They know what's available there. Yeah, but, but, you know, like you could fish, you know, like, the, you know, the spot, I think, um, yeah, we're going back a few years now, just up on the Connecticut where, you know, I, I, I think you fished after, after I was in, in that spot. That spot, you know, once someone found it, and they were there at the right time of year, but you could fish there 10 months of the year and not see a fish. Right. If they're there, they're there, you know. But it, Oh, yeah, I've gone there myself and, uh, you know, sat there for a night, gone up late, like, you, you know, like yourself, get there late, leave early, and not no, not even seen a fish, got a touch, and I've done it for a number of nights. Like, they're not consecutively, but I have done and still not seen fish, and then move 10 miles, however far away up or down the river and just landed on a fish <laughs> yeah yeah it's i mean i had a couple of you know people I, I know three or four years ago fished it the whole of the fall through to early winter Oi, get off the fence sorry a <laughs> uh, couple of them fished it um Oi. she's a little uh, uh, a couple of them fished it uh fall up to win up to uh you know november end of november and they were doing three nights you know friday you know a thursday or a friday saturday they were doing three nights every week and they would they would catch on one of the nights and the other two nights would be dead so you know that just tells you that the fish you know how much the fish are moving around and one of the fish that um it's actually uh sean one of the fish he caught i'd caught several years before and it's it's got to be it's got to be twelve miles on the river to where I caught it, jeez, to where he caught it. So you know, again, these fish move around. You know, I've even had fish that, that have, have, you know, come out, you know, in the da- like, like at one of the dams, and then they've come out again ten miles up the river the next year. So unreal, you know, isn't it? Yeah, those fish, those river fish, definitely move, um, and they have the, obviously the room to move as well, don't they? But and they can, and they will move through the fish ladders, which is interesting. You wouldn't think a carp, a big carp, would <laughs> move through a fish ladder, but they, I've, I've, I've watched them. It, you know, down at uh, at Turner's Falls is a fish ladder there, 
you can go down and, and, and view it. And I've, right. I've, you know, you're in there and you watch them and you can see them just sitting there, you know, waiting. And then, you know, when right. the current's right, off to go. And you're like, you know, and I oh, fished yeah. a section that's, that, that's got a fish ladder one side and a sluice the other side. It's kind of in between the river. Fished hard for, you know, it's the only time I really fish for a target fish in this country. Uh, because I, I, you know, one of my friends had had it before. Fished for two years for it. Caught a bunch of other nice fish along the way and other fish similar sizes, but it gets caught out of the main river, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, it wasn't even in here. It's like it's moved out. And to, for it to move out, it has to literally swim, you know, a mile or two up a channel, go through a fish bladder. And then unless someone moved it, which is highly unlikely. Um, yeah. Because, because anyone taking fish, you're probably not moving them. They're probably taking them to eat. Generally, uh, yeah. Over here, isn't it? Yeah, but it's all, you know, I, I enjoy it. It's uh, that's part of the challenge. It's different from Europe fishing, but different challenges. But it is, yeah. Now, I mean, um, actually talking on that, like obviously you, you know, moving over from the UK. How did your angling over there kind of begin? Um, I always kind of like enjoy hearing about how kind of uh, anglers get got into it in the first place and how it all kind of started for them. So. No one really in my family fished, apart from my uncle. So I don't know why, but when I was probably eight, I just maybe I saw something on TV and I was like, I, I want to, I want to go fishing. Oh, brilliant! So I, I was living with my grandparents at the time, and my grandfather, you know, a bit of a handyman, you know, got a car aerial, some whatever he used, and heard that flies were good. So we were literally trying to catch house flies. Oh, so it, you know, needless to say, we didn't catch anything, but. Uh, he realized that he had no idea, you know, of how to fish. So he, he basically, uh, you know, got me hooked up with my uncle, um, you know, and I used to go and stay, you know, with him for a week in the summer, uh, you know, and, and fish. And he bought me a few bits and bobs. And, you know, after, after, you know, a year or two of doing that and just going occasionally, you know, as I got to high school, you know, which is what, probably the age of 11, uh, I got my own little kit and I started to fish on my own and, you know, find a few friends, you know, of like mind at school, uh, you know, did, did the old apprenticeship of, you know, first fish you catch as a perch, you know, Oh yeah. you know, on the, on the canal and we have a ton of canals, you know, it, where I live in, in, where I used to live in, in Staffordshire. So canals, little lakes, kind of apprenticeship through the species, always for whatever reason, always looked out on catching bigger fish. Um, not a bad you know, thing, is it, I suppose? No, <laughs> even when I didn't know what I was doing, you know, catching probably what I would consider specimen size, crucians and perch and things like that, that, you know, I I, I may have had an idea what I was doing, but really I didn't, uh, you know. And then, you know, as I got to, I would say, 15, 16, you know, one of my good friends uh, in England who's really into fishing kind of started fishing with him and we were fishing for tench primarily. And then... That progressed after being broken a few times by carp to, you know what, I'm going to get my full carp kit and buy, I think when I was 17, started carp fishing properly um, and did that for, you know, probably five years where I was seriously carp fishing and fished, you know, a bunch of uh, primarily in, in like the Staffordshire area. It's, uh, it's park lakes, you know, very silty, small little, small little areas, uh, you know, and, and, 
you know, learnt a lot from a lot of very good anglers. The north northwest of the country, there's some like you know, like you've got like that's where Frank Warwick and a lot of those oh, yeah, guys come from. Some, uh, legendary anglers up that way. <laughs> so, so, so a lot of um, you know, a lot of the innovations. You know, I was fortunate enough that you know, from the very early, you know, from 17 when I started carp fishing, uh, I kind of got got hooked up with a, a guy who makes rods for a living and, you know, was kind of low key, but, but a lot of innovations, you know, one of the very first guys who, uh, you know, manufactured rod pods, um, you know, KJB rod pods, that was his thing. And mm-hmm. I've always had my rods built by him. Um, and he was very, a bit like Frank, you know, opinionated, great, great with ideas and just steered us in the right direction and never really went down the commercial kind of, watching you know this person's wrote this article so you have to do it this way it was always you know he would take us out and show us and you know even something as simple as you know floater fishing you know everyone's like mixers got to use mixer biscuits got to do this he took us with uh just you know demonstrated how to use trout pallets properly and wow that was that was very interesting it was like okay now just force you to think for yourself uh you know and that was kind of the age of making your own rigs and having to find your own components and not everything was, it was kind of just before the quarter boom when it really took off. Um, you know, and then when I got to, you know, I fished a couple of syndicates as well, uh, you know, big carp waters. And then when I, I just got disillusioned with carp fishing, it was fighting for the same swims, people like backstabbing each other. Hello, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's repeated now. Now it's it's a cycle. Yeah, you know, it always, I, I goes around. So I, I when I went back to college, at I think I was twenty three when I went back to college uh, to university. I went to uh, Bedford, De uh, Montford University, which is right on the river Great Ouse. Um, so found a cracking stretch of the river and just fished the river for four years. And then when I went back to England, I, when I went back to Stoke, I would you know, do some stalking sessions, float to fishing, fish the river dove as well. You know, really learned oh, how to fish for chub and barbel. And I think that helped me in better stead for carp fishing and my approach I have now than anything I ever I did. I say so, definitely. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just that, that fish location, that, you know, being mobile, you know, moving if you're not happy, but also just that watercraft. I don't think you can, you know, people who come into fishing and go straight to carp fishing, you know, if you've not learned the basics and you've not learned watercraft, unless you're going, someone's, you know, taking you under the wing and helping you, it's going to be tough, you know. Like, Isn't it? I feel like they're missing out as well, aren't they? I mean, you learn a huge thing out of doing all that. Don't, I mean, I know myself, obviously, um, match angling, did all that as well, pole fishing, feeder fishing, went through all the stages. Um, but I, you definitely learn something from it, don't you? I mean... Well, you learn different, you know, you learn different techniques, <clears throat> you know, even, even if I think of, um, you know, when I was fishing the Connecticut, uh, you know, down it down with, you know, on that stretch with the league has, right. he just, he just mentioned something to the other guys like, Oh, I haven't seen that done for years, but that's something I used to do like, you know, feeder fishing and match fishing, which is, you know, I've got some method balls, I've made them up, you know, and then before I put them out, I, you know, just put a skin on them, just dipped them in the water. Yeah. You know, skin them out because it's something I learned fishing for other species, you know, or, you know, or even, you know, like, like I said, on the Blackstone River where I fish in the winter, I'm fishing a, you know, feeder, but I'm fishing basically a paternoster, which 
you could ask 99 <laughs> out of no 100 of anglers and no one would have a clue what that was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and alter, you know, and then you learn, you know, if the bites are one way or, or a different way, you know, I've got to change the length of my hook link. I've got to change the hook. I've got to, you know, so things that you, you know, again, everything can be instant here. You know, the bait's made for you. People don't generally make their own bait now. You know, all you can buy ready-made rigs. You can buy all the gear. Yeah, that's really becoming yeah. a huge thing, isn't it? Pre-tied rigs now. Yeah, and, you know, the bottom line is if you don't have a watercraft, you know, you, you will catch fish, you know, because if you go to the right spots, you'll catch them. But if watercraft is what's going to, you know, keep you consistent. And actually when it's not going well, understanding why you know and sometimes it's sometimes like we've been chatting about the fish just not there yeah absolutely and and that's fine but you know i do use modern aids i do you know i don't you know i I have a you know a a deeper i have a boat with a you know a sonar on not for fish spotting but fantastic instead of throwing a mark float out you can map you know you can you can map the swim out pretty quickly see where the weed is yeah Uh, you know and that's part of the watercraft armory but you know it's it's you know, it's and people do mention this sometimes when we go fishing. It's like just something as simple as getting up at the right time, watching the water. You know, being aware of your surroundings. Not yeah, you know, I don't, it's a huge part of it, isn't it? You know, I go to relax, yes, but ultimately I'm there because I want to catch fish. So, you know, if if I've got music on or I'm I'm you know busy doing other things, it's like you really should be watching the water because you know one subtle show can give away where all the fish are. You know, and, and yeah. if you're not watching the water or, or you don't even like, uh, you know, getting up in the in the night and just listening, you know, or being out there. You know, I, I do that regularly. If I have a fish in the night or, you know, you get up and make a cup of coffee at two in the morning and sit and, you know, just listen. It's peaceful anyway. But again, sometimes a fish can tell you where they are. Um, oh, I just can give uh, some serious signs away, can't it? That really, yeah. either, you know, kind of make it either a, a catching session or a blanking session and. I just, I, I just think like there's less people who are willing to, you know, it, it's that mobile approach. You know, again, sometimes you're not able to, you know, whether whether it's age, whether it's you know whatever. You, we all like the convenience of doing stuff and being comfy. But listen, if the fish, you know, are several hundred yards away or in a different area of the river, like you said, I'll I'll drive not ten miles. I'll drive a hundred miles if I have to. You know, and, I, and, I, and I, I've done that. I've been on fish in the spring where. You know, I've been catching fish at one location. The weather's, but I've noticed the weather, and I'm like, you know what, I'm catching fish, but this weather is perfect for this other spot that's 30 miles away. And yeah. you know, I packed, I packed up at 6 a.m. and gone and made the effort. And you know, generally, if you make the effort, you may not reward be rewarded that time, but if you do it consistently, the rewards will definitely come. You know, you just that's it. You know, I, I can't. I'm, I'm very. Uh, I'm not impatient, but I just don't like sitting. If, if I don't, if I don't think, if I don't think it's right, then I'm moving. I'm, I'm going, or I'm going. You know, I'm going to go try something else. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, statistically, I'm. I don't know. Well, I mean, I look like do enjoy looking at the weather patterns, and I do follow that. But there's also something for me personally about that gut feeling. Like you either you know or you don't know. You know, like you know you're either going to get a fish or you know you're not going to get a fish, and it's like. I don't know that. I I think that it's a gut feeling, but I think it comes from years of experience and being in those situations when, you know, you've sat it out and you know you should have moved. Um, You know, I'll I'll go like Ian, you know, who you had on. 
you know, yeah. talk about Parco a little bit. Uh, the last time we went out there, last year, we came first out the draw. You know, fantastic. You know, we should have gone into the area we fished the year before because it's a fantastic <laughs> area. But, you know, I'd, I'd, we'd been chatting to uh, uh, another guy, Sam, who was on there, who had done fantastically well. The peg was full of fish. I'm like, that's where we need to be. Didn't really take into account that it was half the amount of anglers on that we were going to be on. So as soon as those lines started to get cast out. Oh, that's it. Shut down, right? That completely changed the dynamic of where the fish were going to be. So, you know, we went into a swim and I could show you the image on the deeper. There was literally hundreds of fish in front of us. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, so, I, you know, I caught a fish within the first, you know, few hours, you know, nice upper 30, you know, fantastic. This is going to be. And then it just it just went dead for for a good 12, 12 hours or so. And oh, I just, no. I just, I just had this feeling that you know what, we'll catch fish, but it's going to be a struggle. And you know, there was another peg that that I've always wanted to fish, but I knew the, you know, it's back basically the corner of the lake, um, the deepest water, and the peg opposite um, was hammering fish. Now I knew there wasn't as many in in where I wanted to go as there was in his peg, but there were definitely fish there. So I just, you know, I knew. It wasn't going to be occupied for long. So I got up at four in the morning, moved all my gear, you know, and as a result, I had, I a, really good, I had, yeah. a, good, I had a good week. But, you know, he, you know, Ian stayed where he was and still caught fish and probably helped because taking another three lines out of the water probably helped him a little bit. But it's, you know, even on those situations, which is, you know, some people see it as a pay lake. Uh, but even in those situations, watercraft and understanding what the fish are doing. Oh, yeah. You know, because it's a huge part of it, isn't it? Yeah, they're animals. You know, if, if they're under pressure all the time, they're going to go to where they feel the safest. Um, you know, when they do feed, don't get me wrong, when they do feed, they're easy to catch. <laughs> it's, got, uh, it's on, it's fire, isn't it, over there? Yeah, well, it's like the like same in this country. Like, you, you, you can be on the river, tidal sections, whatever. You know, the fish aren't there. You know, all these yard fish coming through, you know, that's usually why the bigger fish are harder to catch because they're not in those big shoals. But when a big shoal comes through and gets on the bait, it's ridiculously easy. You know, I think of the Seneca River that I go up and fish in the winter, you know, or late fall. Right. Once the fish are on you, I don't want to fish with three rods because you're chaos, just going to, it? it's going to be chaos. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, you know, when the fish are competitive, and if you can get them to that level, then fishing's easy. It's it's when they're not competitive or you're trying to target fish that don't, you know, like those big fish that, that, that we're fishing for are in groups of one, two, three. Right. You know, they're, yeah. they're, not in, they're not in shoals of 100 fish. Like on the Seneca and St. Lawrence, you know, they could be thousands of fish in a shoal at times. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that, that's the difficulty of fishing those waters and targeting those bigger fish. Um, you know, I know Ed, Ed was talking about it on the Seneca. You know, there's the, the 30s in there and there's bigger fish than that, but it's a needle in a haystack to catch those fish. Oh, absolutely. There's so many to go through, isn't there? It's like you just got to keep going and going and going. And then, you know, as long as luck's on your side or something is, you, you connect with a good one. Well, that's why, I mean, I love fishing that river. I would never fish the competition because uh, after two nights on that river, I, I've had enough. It's, oh, I how, many, I mean, how, how many fish do you want to catch? It's, it's really... You know, but, but I will say, if you go up there at the right time of year, so you know, spring just before they spawn, uh, when when the lake fish are coming out uh, of Lake Onondaga, or I you typically go up November, December, 
um, because the bigger fish obviously are feeding longer uh, right. into the and, and so you, you, you generally the stamp a fish and you know I've had you know I've had several 30s from there over the years where I've not caught no I've still caught plenty of fish but the average size is bigger because all of those smaller fish are not feeding as hard um, you know it's a method of fishing I mean that's what I was going to ask you. Like normally, when you go up there to do that, um, do you kind of not follow suit? But obviously, those fish are used to seeing nowadays. I think mostly like a pack bait, aren't they, or method? I there's a time and place for for method and pack, and I do use it, especially you know on moving water, uh, or if I'm fishing in new water and I just want to see what's in, you know what you know what the stock is. But on the, on the, you know, to be honest, on the Seneca, I avoid particles, I avoid pack, I avoid all of that religiously because if, it, if it's warm, you know, or warmer, all yeah. you're going to do is attract hundreds of catfish. Yeah, nuisance well. fish, yeah. And, and I love catching carp, but I don't want to catch as many bullheads. And, you know, I'll get, I'll get an example would be I, I was several years ago up there in July, which is, you know, the river's full of weed, full of zebra mussels, not the easiest place to fish at that time, but I fished an area with tigers and hemp uh, and hammered fish, but I caught twice as many catfish and bullheads. And I'm like, I, 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 you know, when you're catching a bullhead that wipes out your rig and now you've got to tie a new rig on and, you know, your leader's all frayed because it's being up and down zebra mussels. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, there must be a better way. So over the last, seven, you know, three or four years, I've, or like I fish it just with boilies, you know, and right. typically, typically bigger boilies. So 20 mil, 20 mil and up. Um, and you know, if it's a two night session or three night, you may catch a couple of catfish to start, but once those carp get on it, the catfish are not, you know, it, if the catfish can't crush the boilies, you know, and, and eat them properly after a while, they tend to leave them alone. They're gone. Um, yeah. So I, I've, I've had really, again, that, that river is all about getting the fish feeding competitively, you know? So if, if the conditions are right and, and, you know, another thing Ed spoke about, and I think you discussed with other people about, you know, fish behavior and do they move and do they go? Abs- absolutely. I think, right. I think they change the behavior based on the pressure over the years, especially if there's a lot of pressure. So the St. Lawrence, like, you know, we discussed, if there's not a lot of bait going into areas, that's why those fish were there regularly. So now they're reverting back to natural food sources. And, you know, you're probably not going to get them unless you start a pre-baiting campaign. But the, the Seneca, I've been up there and been told by people, this swim, this area, no good. You know, the fish aren't here anymore. <laughs> well, well, you'll be amazed what happens once it goes dark. Because <laughs> what generally happens is, you know, the average person's fishing well the general people who fish there fish there during the day uh, and they pack up before dark leave and guess what those fish know that and they come in and eat all the bait after it goes dark so <laughs> you know and i've seen that repeated in several places uh you know i had last year i was fishing and there was three other people on the seneca this was i'm trying to think if it was a summer it might have been early fall it might have been august like just before it got to the fall i went up there because i wanted just to go and catch some fish and, you know, I put maybe three kilos of boilies out, uh, you know, along different depths along the channel. Didn't put the rods out, you know, and then there was a couple of other people fishing who were like, what, what are you doing? Why are you not fishing? I'm like, I'm not going to fish until it goes dark. They're like, well, you know, you're not going to catch anything. Well, you know, they had a couple of fish, but plagued by, you know, fishing corn and pack and 
you know, plagued by catfish as well and little carp. You know, I would right. I would hazard to say I lost count, but it was 30, 40 carp I caught that night. Um, and it's not because I'm, I'm it's not because I've done anything ridiculous. I just I, I fish there enough to know, you know, that this is the best. What I like fishing that way. I'm I'm predominantly if I can fish boilies, I prefer to fish boilies. Um, you know, because again, I think for me, location is number one. And then usually it's, it's bait application. You know, a lot of people might get the location right. And then they either put too much bait in or you don't put enough in. Um, you know, I tend to be a fish for the first bite and then see how it goes. And then, you know, cause I was always, that's another match fishing thing I learned once you put it in, you can't take it out. That's it, a little bit often. I mean, my approach has always been that way too. But that's what I was going to ask you about is um, when you go like that, obviously you just mentioned like normally when you're fishing somewhere like that, for example, it's all boily or you kind of realize that it's better to go that route. Do you normally do that or like right out the gate, just kind of, you know, go in with a few baits per per rig, per rod? Or... Yeah, I'm, I'm not, a, you know, and again, if you watch a lot of the videos, you know, from Europe, you know, England specifically, the style of fishing is to fish, you know, I don't want to pick on corda, but, you know, because Fox do it, Tom Maker does it, you know, fish fish one area, you know, spawn, you know, spot, spot a load of bait out to an area, fish three rods on that area. That's great, but you're fishing, you know, you've artificial basically lakes, basically where the fish are in there. And the angler who fishes the best, most accurately, you know, most consistently is probably the one who's going to get the results. You know, so, you know, I, I definitely fish that way when I'm over in Europe a little bit more, you know, accurate spotting, you know, fishing very tight, keeping to a spot. You know, here I tend to, you know, I'll, I'll look at the piece of water in front of me and I like to fish. If I can fish three rods, I'm generally fishing three rods on three different spots, three different yeah, areas, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, because here a lot of the time on the river, you know, and even big lakes, those fish might be in a specific depth of water. So to put all your rods in, oh, I'm going to fish them all in 18 foot. Now, if the fish are all there in 18 foot, great. You know, on the Seneca, I might have three spots going across the channel. You know, if more bites are coming on one spot, yeah, I'm going to move another rod towards that spot. And But, you know, generally, um, you know, I think of the, the, the session I did this week on the river and I fished three different spots uh, and caught off each spot, you know, and they were 50 yards apart. Uh, just, you know, again, you're trying to find out, you know, where the fish are, what, what they're, you know, where they like to feed, you know, um, you know, also baiting strategy comes in. I say boilies, but boilies doesn't mean just straight out the bag. You know, I use a lot of liquids and additives and, you know, just different things to try and boost, you know, the attraction. Um, right, right. There might not be a lot of food there. Can you get, can you get that food signal in the water? Um, you know, and, and generally with the big fish, I'm just looking for enough bait that that one fish eats it and trips gets, up, you know, yeah. trips up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, you know, especially on shorter sessions. I mean, I've, I've definitely done it wrong, you know, in, in the past where I put too much bait in and you, the fish are rolling over you and you don't get a bite. And it's like, yeah, there was probably, you know, oh, three so or four frustrating, fish there. isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's I think it's, Less the case with boilies, you know, particles have had that, you know, multiple times where they get preoccupied on a spot and you can't get a pickup and then they move off. Whereas boilies, 
you know, I like, again, I like to not spread them out, but just getting the fish moving around, looking for them. Um, you know, it's all, I think, I think boilies are just, might, again, I, I don't disagree with what Ed said about, you know, they might take some time to introduce, but I think if you fish them the right way, they're instant. You know, the carp are very curious, so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I fish in the spring. I don't really fish over bait. I, I'm quite happy to fish single hook baits where I think the fish are because most of the time they're moving around. Uh, you know, in a single, very bright, very over-flavored pop-up in front of a carp, I don't care if that carp's never seen a boilie or never seen it's a bait. Go for it, yeah. <laughs> it's it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, you know, it's pumping off all these food signals. It's going to think to itself, what's that? And the only way it can test it is to put it in its mouth. So, you know, uh, you know, I, 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 I've done experiments, you know, the last two or three years where I fished single hook baits and I fished over bait in the spring and I've caught way more fish fishing single hook baits and fishing to fish I see, you know, getting up in the morning, watching the water. Yep, there's a fish just rolled cast whack a single hook bait out and more yeah. likely than not you catch it so like ed was i think that was one of his points on a reservoir he's catching more fish casting as far as he can putting 40 or 50 baits out yeah and it seems like it's no kind of it's not like a, a specific pattern it's kind of just sprayed out there you know it's not like they're um all right this particular zone is this is where the bait has to go from my understanding of it a lot of the time that and that does work as well it's more natural obviously fish here don't really know natural or not do they i mean let's face no. it <laughs> no if, if, if you location wise if i mean if you can find areas where the fish are happy to feed on natural food it's obviously always easier to get them feeding on bait in those areas um unless with unless it's you know if it's a summer and it's in a massive weed bed and they're feeding on all the little small uh insects it's going to be very hard to get them on bait but you know, generally speaking, if, if they're if they're you know they're feeding on crayfish or swan mussels or zebra mussels, and you've got bait in that area, you know they'll generally pick it up. And you know, I, I you know I'm happy fishing boilies, tiger nuts. You know, I think have the place absolutely good instant bait. And you know, I'm also happy fishing you know artificial corn and. It's uh, oh, a killer, yeah. isn't it? That stuff. I mean, I love it. I've always been a big fan of just the fake corn, the enterprise stuff, or whatever it might be. Just. Uh... Well, if you saw my, if you saw the rigs I use over in Italy, you'd be like, well, they're completely different to what I use in this. But, I mean, I've caught, we've had a session where I've caught them on standard boilies and, you know, fishing. But, you know, generally I'm fishing, you know, a, a, a pack almost set up, you know, a little inline method feeder, uh, you know, three inch hook link, you know, an eight, an eight or a six hook and a single grain of either, uh, floating sinking whatever a little piece of maize you know yeah. and again like you, you think oh that's not but you know what you even cast that out to a fish that's shown and you'll be surprised at you know how often they will you'll get an instant instant take um you know as opposed to fishing ian mentioned it fishing over you know oh, i've just put 50 kilo of bait out <laughs> well, that's, that's great if 100 fish come over you but uh you know you know a, a in there, those fish are bred on the on the pallets, so you'd be stupid if you didn't fish pallets and you didn't fish. You know, you, you can catch them on boilies, but you just you, why not? You know, I've caught more fish on 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 the uh, pallet method than anything there, and it's a you know, and people say that oh, it's not a big fish bait. Well, it is. You know, it, it's those fish are bred on them, so you know, it's oh, easier yeah. to get a big fish. A big fish swims over like in this country, like you've just got you know a hat two handfuls of boilies you know over your rig and a 
big 30, 40 pound fish swims over it, chances are that you'll get a pickup because it'll eat all the bait and then pick up your hook bait or the hook bait first, as opposed to, you know, you've got five kilos out there and that fish is now competing with other fish. Um, and you're probably going to catch one of its, you know, I think they call someone called a minder, like bodyguard. Yeah. You're going to catch one of the, you know, like Mary had, Mary's mate would get caught before because that would go in there and feed heavily. And then Mary would stay on the outside. Moving afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, um, in terms of like simplicity, obviously we, I mean, we know it cause we're here and doing it, but the simplicity of, um, of angling in the U S is hugely different, isn't it? It is. I would say, um, I mean, I do speak to a lot of anglers and I think sometimes they get confused with, you know, European styles of fishing. Um, again, you know, get the location right. You know, so for me, lo location is above everything else, you know, based on weather, based on, you know, uh, the, the area that you're fishing, you know, all of those things play a factor. And then, then I use a bait that I'm confident in, you know, whether that's boilies, whether it's tigers, whether it's, you know, whether it's method, whether it's pack, I use something that I know catches fish, you know, and then, Everything else is simple. So my rigs are, you know, again, I've, I've, I've fished with people like, you know, on the same lakes as Steve Briggs and Frank Warwick and no one is using, do, do they sometimes use advanced rigs that they've made up? Absolutely. But generally they fish the same rigs year in, year out. And yeah. it comes down to reliable components that number one, that, you know, if you're fishing a big tidal river in this country, just, you have to make sure that you have that, the heavy, heavy enough gear to land the fish. So just fishing, you know, the, the right components that are reliable, that don't let you down. And then, you know, attention to detail. I think that's probably what a lot of anglers could pick up, you know, just do they have a hook sharpener? Do they check the hooks when they come in? You know, do you, you know, you can use a hook over and over again, but do you sharpen it every time you recast it? Do you, you know, when you, when you put your bait out, you know, is your cast anywhere near your bait? You know, do you, if you're not happy and you think it's tangled, are you winding it in? So even using anti-tangle rigs and things like that, there's a lot of, again, That's just so fishing. That goes into it, isn't there? Well, it, you know, it's like now the most popular, oh, it's a runny rig. It's like, you don't need a runny rig in this country. Like, I, 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 <laughs> if the situation calls for it, absolutely. If you're fishing over low-lime weed, you know, you're fishing choddy areas, you know, use a hinge stiff rig, use a choddy, use a, a runny rig. But if you're fishing, you know, pack and corn why are you using a runny rig just you know just a four inch hook link with you know a, a piece of fake corn on or a, or whatever you want a, a puff even you know what what those get i think people overcomplicated at times and same with all the gear i mean yeah. do you they pay some people pay more attention to the actual gear they've got than where they're fishing and you know what the fish are doing and uh, there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff i mean i like nice stuff but <laughs> and I have used, you know, I, I, I've broken more rods than I could, you know, and, and, you know, my reels are, you know, I have to take them apart every now and again. They're covered in sand or they've got grit all in them or I've thrown them in the water. You know, it's, you know, it's, to me, it's just, I'd be quite happy just fishing with a rod, you know, a center pin, piece of bread or some corn. If, if I could fish like that all the time and get the same results, that's what I would do. I'd simplify it. That's still manageable, isn't it? I mean, you still can catch doing that. There's nothing wrong with a, a regular old hook, uh, you know, hook and a can of corn. And listen, it's, it, it's, it works, you know. <laughs> that location, I, I've, I, I'll take you to 
you know, one of my, what I would class as probably my best capture in this country, yeah. out, out of Lake wow. Sigamond. Um, you know, fish, fish this, you know, I, I kind of transitioning from catching lots of fish in the Blackstone for a year or two when I got back into carp fishing. Um, you know, for several years in this country, I didn't fish for carp. I was busy working and just happened to be walking. Uh, one of my, you know, I just had my puppy 10, 11 years ago, walking it along the river, saw a few fish that I thought were carp, checked out on the internet and, you know, lo and behold, there's carp everywhere. So I'm like, right, <laughs> get, get, get my gear from, from, you know, my house, what my sister was living in. You know, she sent me, you know, the gear across, started, you know, to get back into carp fishing probably yeah. about 11 years ago. Um, you know, did, again, what I'd recommend everyone, do a little bit of apprenticeship, fish, fish the Blackstone River and a, and a Merrimack and a few other rivers for a few years, caught, you know, a couple of thousand of fish just to get my arm back in and, okay, now I'm confident. Oh, I went up to the St. Lawrence and having fished the St. Lawrence, once you fish the water like that, doesn't matter what size. Things, it? <laughs> doesn't matter what size of water is. You you understand that carp are carp, and they're going to be where the structure is and where the food is. So it just, you know, the rivers a mile across, and seeing those tankers go past, it's just it was amazing, and it just blew my mind and gave me a new mindset. So you know, Quinn Sigamond is, you know, the state record in mass has come out of that lake several times. That's right. You know, so yeah. it, it's just under eight hundred acres, heavily. Uh, properties all around it so access is hard you know it's usually the same areas but i just i decided when i got back you know it was my birthday and i'm like you know what i'm just i don't have to work till later on today i'm just going to go out for a walk and you know do a little bit of scouting around the lake and look at several areas and try and find my own way instead of asking you know what are the going swims um walked around for three hours didn't see a fish and then just as i was about to go kind of came into an area you know, a couple of islands in front of me. I was like, oh, this looks like a nice area. And I saw a fish roll 100 yards down to my right in the margins. <laughs> and I'm like, looked like a small fish, but I'm like, that was definitely a carp. So I looked at my watch. I'm like, I've got two hours before I need to leave. Sprinted back. Literally in the car, I had a rod, a net, some little bits and bobs, you know, my Avon scales and a loaf of bread. So I'm like, ah, can't hurt to go have a cast and see what happens. <laughs> So, you know, I go down to the spot where I've seen the fish roll, basically free-lined crust, uh, free-lined uh, bread flake. Right. Flicked it in, you know, sat down, propped the, rock, the rod up in a rock with a big bow in the line, and five minutes later, you know, I've got a 43-pound carp in the net. Unreal, isn't it? Uh, um, Can't get any more simplistic than that. <laughs> no, and that opened my eyes to, you know what, it is about location. And, and, you know, I do like fishing over bait, and I do like using boilies and but, you know, if, if you're stalking or you're walking a water and, and there's an opportunity to catch a fish like that, like, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as simple as you want to make it. It's, you know, again, do we need, you know, top-of-the-range bivvies and rod pod? No. We, you, you know, to me, I'd, I only use my rod pod when I can't put bank sticks in. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big bank stick angler myself. I do. It's more freedom. You can kind of move things around a little bit easier and less to carry yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's it and and that's that's you know again i don't want to say that you know people shouldn't do fish stuff i believe 100 you know, I, I find it hard to sit on longer sessions i mean i've definitely I, I i view going when i go overseas i view that as as a vacation as well um you know but even on those i i every trip i've ever done there apart from um 
one of them with Ian, I, I've moved to swim several times. So, you know, I've, I've moved where I thought the fish were. But, you know, I view those as a vacation. So when I, when I go for a week or 10 days, you know, we've got, can't go to Italy this year, but we, we've got a 10-day uh, trip to Croatia uh, scheduled for next year. Fantastic. So I'm, ho- I'm hoping that comes off. But I view that as a vacation and fishing with people I, I like to fish with and socialize. And, you know, I wind the rods in for several hours, you know, when I know that the fish aren't going to be feeding uh, yeah. and just go and enjoy myself because, you know, that's that's part of it. Uh, but my own fishing, you know, tends to be a specific way. And everyone's the same. Everyone kind of falls into their own comfort level, um, you know, and, and good luck to them. Yeah, that's it. No, that's great. Now, um, you've had a, a quite a big involvement with um, the carp anglers group, right, over the years, and still kind of doing your bit for them today. Yeah, I started um, again. I, I, you know, three or four years after getting back into fishing, <clears throat> I kind of got hooked up with uh, with with Dave uh, Moore at Big Carp Tackle, and was working with Dave. Hi. Um, just helped him at the time, you know, Dave's obviously now probably one of the major carp tackle guy in America and importer, but at the time there was a few other companies and, you know, I, I set up their Facebook page for big carp news and kind of got that going and did a bunch of articles and that's kind of how I met Ian, um, Ian, Ian Sorrell. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing the articles and stuff for big carp news and Ian, Obviously, he's been involved with the Carp Anglers Group for, for a couple of decades. You know, he personally asked me if I would, uh, you know, help and take over the editor role at uh, the North American Carp Angler. You know, so at the time I had, you know, I had a little bit more time on my hands. I was just coaching. I wasn't managing uh, programs. A little bit more time and happily did it uh, and, you know, kind of got roped into it and been doing it probably now for five years or so. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, and, it, and it's, I, I love writing and I love seeing articles and, you know, we, we've just, we've actually got a printed edition coming out. Uh, it's actually be within people's hands in the next week or so. Um, so to see that the finished product is great, um, you know, it, 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 it's a labor of love like yourself with stuff. It's yeah, a lot of the times, yeah. you know, I, I see it as I'm, I'm getting older now. I'll say mid forties. Um, even though I'm approaching probably late forties, but I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, it's one of those you reflect and, you know, for the last several years, you know, I want to give back and help people. Um, so while I'm not on all these forums and, you know, arguing with people on Facebook, if anyone asks me or wants help or needs information, I'm happy to help them, you know, and I'll try and help them, um, you know, outside of actually telling you where to go and fish. Um, you know, if you need information on waters and what you should be looking for, great. You know, bait, you know, I'm involved obviously with Fox Tackle and, uh, you know, and, and bait companies on and off. And I'll happily point people in the right direction, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm looking to kind of give back and help get people involved and, you know, fish for, you know, good reasons that, you know, that here if we can do, a, do what Ian's done in Connecticut and several other states and get the fish, have some kind of protection. Oh yeah, it's a huge step, isn't it, in the right direction? Yeah. And the more people that get it, I don't think it'll ever become, you know, like Europe. Uh, no, yeah, I think a lot of us agreed on that. But we, like you said, we can do something to better it, can't we? And help people, and help educate people of what what a great fish they are to fish for. 
Um, you know, and if you are going to catch and release, how can we minimize the impact on those fish and, you know, get them back without, you know, you know without any issues and, and just, you know, obviously you can see some of the same trends that happen in, in Europe with, you know, swims and people arguing and it's, let's get away from that and, you know, promote carp and rather than focusing on, on just your own thing that's going on and, and, you know, on a micro level, absolutely. You know, you, you have to be, you know, selective of who you fish with, who you talk to, I get it, but let's help as many people get into the sport as possible and help them educate them, you know, and not, because there's a lot, you know, I've seen over the years, you know, new people will come in and really excited and, you know, it just takes one really negative interaction on online or in person. the whole thing, doesn't it? To, to change it and, you know, you lose those people and, or, you know, they go off and, and you never hear from them again, um, you know, which is a shame because, you know, there's literally hundreds of thousands of waters, water in this country that have carp in, you know, most of them have not been fished. Yeah, it's plenty you to know? go around, isn't there? I mean, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think people will get more out of it. I mean, to me, I, you know, I've, I've fished places where people have taken me, you know, and I've caught fish. I get more satisfaction from working it out myself, you know, and and you know, knowing that you know when you've caught a fish that you, you that you really want to catch, and you've done the work for it, and you've put the effort in, and you know, and I love seeing other people catch where they've done the same. Like Ian, I love fishing with Ian because. You know, apart from the company, you know, it, he's, he's a good angler. You know, um, different style a little bit from the way I fish. But, you know, even you know, on the Connecticut River, he fished. Um, I actually bumped into Ian the first time. He was actually fishing a spot where I'd caught, I think, I think that next day I caught a, a 40-pound carp from the spot. Oh, but, blimey. <laughs> but he'd never fished there before and kind of been told about it and then showed up, and that's how I bumped into him. So we got friendly. And then he fished this uh, particular spot with me a few times. And this particular spring, for whatever reason, I just had the, it was a mojo was on me and I was catching, you know, a lot of fish. He was basically netting fish for me. Uh, and, he was, yeah. and he was great at it. Um, you know, but, you know, he, I, you know, I caught, I don't know how many 30s and, and a few 40s. And he had only caught a couple of fish, you know, uh, and not big fish. And then, to actually net his PB mirror for him that turned out to be a 46, you know, an amazing fish that, you yeah, know, that unreal. just, <laughs> no, to me, that that's, again, would I have liked to have caught the fish? Absolutely. And I'd still like to catch it, but seeing, you know, seeing a friend or seeing someone who you know has worked hard and stuck at it and they get the rewards, that's, that's rewarding as well. You know, that's, oh, it's priceless. You know, I mean, you can't put a, anything on that. I mean, that's for being there in the moment, sharing it with someone, you know, like you said, that, you know you've got that relationship with and um and, and if you fish with if you have friends who you fish with i grew up with you know one of my friends who you know in england who i fished a lot with growing up you know certain aspects he's much better at me you know find attention to fine detail rigs you know very meticulous you know baiting you know you know and whether you want to call it luck or not i've always <clears throat> had a little bit more luck uh, <laughs> in terms of catching you know like I said, catching big fish, I've always been lucky at. Uh, <clears throat> it always tends to work out one way or another. But, you know, you go on sessions and, you know, one session he might catch three fish, I might have one. One session I might catch four, he might catch two. It, it all evens itself out, you know, usually if you're fishing kind of similar approaches, similar waters. And, you know, and I, I even like now, I don't, not that I fish with people regularly, but 
it might be two or three people that we fish the same areas and we share information. We put yeah. bait in. And I know that, you know, hey, Joel, I was there Wednesday. You know, I baited this area. You turn up on a Saturday. You fish it and bait it. And the more we fish it, even if we're not fishing together, the results are going to be improved because we're working kind of together. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's something that's definitely come up in our, you know, numerous conversations that, you know, there's there's some benefits to it. There's obviously some negatives to it that we know, but the benefit, uh, benefits of it in a positive way are that the fish definitely move in there more. You're, you know, we're able to see better fish, uh, fish growth sizes. All that stuff comes from kind of that, that camaraderie and sharing that and that back and forth, splitting a swim or whatever it might be. Works out great. It's a good way to do it. And I, I do like, I, I, you know, I like seeing other people. I like helping other people and putting them on, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not a guide. I know Ian's, you know, was, was chatting about, he's, you know, taking people and catching fish. Um, you know, he, he's never taken me to those same waters because every time he takes me, we catch nothing, but that's, that's different. <laughs> no, I, 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 I like taking up there by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like fishing, you know, and taking people and putting them on fish. And you know, if that means like even with Dave, you know, we fish the Connecticut River. You know, I, I told him, you know, hey, you, you've got choice of the swim. This is where I think the fish are going to come from. This is the better side, in my opinion. Where would you like to fish? Well, well he's not stupid. He's going to fish the better side. Now, great because. Now he catches his PB mirror, you know, at 37, I think it was at the time, or 38. That, that to me, has value because, I, again, I can fish those swims, you know, in the future on my own when I want to, you know, or, you know, it, it's helping people, you know, who you like, who you have similar yeah, interests with. That's that someone that's 3,000 miles away doesn't really have the opportunity to see that kind of uh, fish too often either. So it's kind of nice to have that option as well. No, no. I mean, again, <clears throat> was he lucky that one of his first fish was that size? Yes, but part of it's the area, you know, and knowing what 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 the quality of fish are in those area areas, um, you know. But I'm quite happy to go and you know, like I say, sit on the Blackstone with 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 someone else for three or four hours and catch two pound fish, three pound fish, five pound fish. It's you know, it's all part of fishing. I mean, I don't. I don't really class myself as a carp angler. I'm just, I'm just an angler. I like fishing. You know, I, I fish for other species. I, in the spring, um, I went up to the river in the spring, a typical area where the fish spawn, uh, and I was there a few days too late. The fish had spawned. You know, but I had a little micro rod in the car, and I fished for the, uh, the bluegills were on the bed, and I caught some of the biggest bluegills I've ever seen. You know, Isn't that crazy? Uh, pound plus and i think i had more i had more fun than i would have done catching a couple of 30s if i'm going to be honest <laughs> it was just something different and it was a different it's just it's fishing i love you know i i fish for i don't always fish for bass but i like you know occasionally i'll go fish for bass i'll fish for stripers you know i may get an opportunity in the next couple of weeks to go and fish for the albacore oh, right. you know just i think if you're an angler you 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 your mind's that way and you know, if all you fish for is carp, I think you're missing out uh, on, on a lot of other things. And, you know, if you go down to the Cape, you know, for a little holiday or you go to Florida or you go, you know, you can throw in a rod. And even over at Parker, you're not supposed to, but I, I've taken my little spinning rod over and I fish for the bass. Uh, yeah, there's tons of opportunity everywhere, isn't it? In regards to fishing, not just carp, but in general, it's it's like, it's everywhere you go, isn't it? It's such a universal thing that you can take and do wherever, so... I think I, th I think you're born that you're an angler or not. Like you just 
it's hard to explain to people that don't fish, you know, well, why, <laughs> why do you go? Like, that's boring. It's like, well, several, several elements of why you fish, but, you know, it's just that, again, watching a float, you know, watching a big, you know, pike or striped bass come up and attack a surface lure. Just these, you know, your, your alarm screaming at 2 a.m. in the morning. These are things that, you know, again, I think a lot of the people who don't like fishing have either never been or they've been and had negative experiences. Yeah, that could be the one, isn't it? I think, yeah. You know, I, I was lucky enough that when I went for my first few times, I was with an experienced angler who I caught fish. So I enjoyed it. Um, you know, if you go and you don't catch, I, I could see how it could be boring sitting there. But <clears throat> again, <clears throat> once you've experienced, you know, whether it's a, a big carp or whether it's a tuna or wh whatever the species is, just stripping line and, you know, or it, 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 it's addictive, you know, and it is. And it's why we spend so much time, you know, generally if, if, if my wife, you know, is I'm on my laptop. She's like, what are you watching? She doesn't really have to ask. I'm usually watching some kind of fishing video or <laughs> something fishing related. Uh, so <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Well, within reason. So uh, a yeah. little bit often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it lives, you know, you can go several years without fishing and you know, like I did, I went several years without really fishing and then, you know, you get back into it and now, you're back into it. Uh, that, that, it never goes away, does it? That want or that passion for it either. Like, I mean, because I've had time where it's been like, all right, no time this month, no time that. But you get back out there and it's like full on again, isn't it? It's, it? It can take a little bit of time to get into the swing of things. But, yeah. but I think also, you know, like we were talking about being an angler, like you, you're, you're, you're on a boat or you're, or you're sitting, you know, in a restaurant overlooking the water. I don't know whether it's uh, hypervigilance, but I'm constantly, I, I'll see things other people don't see because you, you, you just eyes are attuned a little bit differently. So you're oh, like, 100%. Oh, what, what, what was that over there? Was that a fish? And then <laughs> yes. you know, it's the same with me. That's why I got back into carp fishing here. I'm walking the dog and I'm like, my wife's talking and we're just chatting and my eyes are drawn to, are there, what are those on the far bank? Like under the trees? What are, they, are, are they carp? Oh, the carp. Right. So, you know, I don't think if you're an angler, you'd probably even see those things. Um, you just, again, it's just, I think it's, it's just part of it. It's, uh, it's a different mentality, but <clears throat> I wouldn't change it. it these better, these worst things you could be obsessed with. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Absolutely. <laughs> like I, I, I'm a big lover of podcasts. So I've only just, you know, I've, I saw you posted these a while, you know, a few weeks ago and yeah, starting working on. I, I, I love the format. I'm, I'm upset that the um, you know the big carp, the, the carp cast in the UK kind of went away. I know. It was fantastic, wasn't it? So I think this is a great medium to you know even again. I don't think anyone's on here plugging products. You know, uh, no, it's really yeah. about historical factor for me. Uh, that was the first, you know the first and foremost thing when I was talking to Dave about it. it was let's really get the historical part captured, not just CAG, but kind of people before CAG and, and how it's kind of evolved and, and the continued growth of the sport, you know, and how it's going to evolve. And, stuff like and I, I think obviously we've got, you know, the, it's a long way to fly from Europe, but this is, this is really one of the only places left where these undiscovered fish, where these, where these waters are, these fish are, you know, and, and I, I don't think there's 50 pound fish everywhere. Well, most states have 50 pound carp in, um, you know, and, and, you know, even in the states where we know they're not as common as, 
some people think. Uh, you know, a, a 30 pound fish in this country is an excellent size fish. A 40, oh, yeah. most people are never going to see a 40. Uh, 50 and above, obviously, you know, it's that needle in the haystack, but, you know, that's, that's what keeps me going out, you know, especially on the Connecticut River. I know those fish are in there. Oh, they're there. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> and they're definitely there in other, other places, uh, but there's so much exploring and, 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 you know, pioneering and, you know, it, it's, and so much beauty in the country to go and fish somewhere. I know you fish down there, go and fish somewhere like Dale Hollow. Oh yeah. You know, the, the, yeah. You know, people say, Oh, it's popular and it's, but you know, the size of that water, if there was a hundred anglers on there year round, it would still not be pressured. Oh no. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got guys coming over, you know, Steve Briggs was over a little while back, you know, and, uh, with Joan and, uh, Carl and Alex, those guys, I mean, a lot of, you know, not necessarily having to be big names, but those guys are now coming over because they see the potential and, and the quality of the fish that it's offering and, and just the surroundings, you know? And that's the tip of the iceberg. You know, that, that is, you know, even in that area, Oh yeah, there's other <laughs> lakes in that area that have bigger fish. Um, yeah, and a similar stuff. So it's it's you know who you know what's the next big water that's going to be pioneered and you know I think there's there's so much to go at in this country. You know that you know yes I do my European trips because I enjoy them, but you know <clears throat> if if I was retired and I had unlimited time, I'd just have an RV and just you know you just drive around the country and and fish these big places and um, <laughs> you know it, it's a beautiful. It's a great country that I'd, I'd encourage anyone, you know, to, to come across. And, you know, there's enough resources with us at Big Carp Tackle and Big Carp News and CAG and, you know, even, you know, the American Carp site. There's enough people around that will help and put people into areas. And uh, I would just like to see you continue to grow. But I appreciate your help as well. Like, Yeah, I think we're all, all kind of part of that wheel, aren't we, Re- realistically? But um, I think it's important just kind of hear, you know, that, that is, I think for me personally, I don't know. I always like looking back on historical captures and hearing about them. So it's um... no, it's in, it's interesting, especially when you see you know quality fish being caught. That that you know, and it's all all has cycles. You know, those fish. You know, when I, I heard Ed talking about you know all those fish there, those fish are still there. You know, it's still there's still big fish in all those areas. It's just their behaviour's changed, and you know, yeah. Now it's up to the new guys to go and find them. And, and, <laughs> yeah. So ho- hopefully, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll have a few big fish to report this year. But uh, appreciate yeah, the. Uh, yeah, going to be getting out uh, myself hopefully next next week or so. It's about time for me to get a few fish on the bank. <laughs> yeah, it's just, this is my favorite time of the year. So I love it. It's brilliant out there. I think if I can get out once a week or so for the next, you know, two months. Um, It'll be a good. It's it's always nice to be out at this time of year. Can't beat but, it. All right. Well, maybe we can hook up and get a session as well. Yeah, that'd be fantastic, Dean. I'd like to do that. I can either. Uh, wouldn't mind heading up your way. I've got a few mirrors under that I wouldn't mind uh, taking a bash at. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. I've got a few places on the go uh, that with other people we're we're, we're trickling and bait and seeing. So absolutely. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Let's, let's make it happen. All right, mate. Yeah, that's great. Thanks ever so much. All right. Uh, appreciate, again, appreciate you taking the time out and joining me, and um, all the best and uh, good luck out there on the banks. You too, mate. Have a good one. All right. Cheers, take care. Bye. Bye for now. As always, thank you for joining us and listening in on this episode of the Big Carp News podcast. If you are enjoying this content, be sure to follow along by subscribing and listening in to us on one of the many podcast platform outlets. 
A big thanks to Dean Brooks for taking the time out and sharing some of his fantastic moments and memories, along with his thoughts on rigs and baiting strategies within the carp angling scene here in the USA. For more upcoming episodes of the Big Carp News podcast, written articles, product reviews, and much, much more, be sure to check out the Big Carp News website over at www.bigcarp.news. And also, don't forget to check out Big Carp Tackle over at www.bigcarptackle.com for all your carp tackle needs right here in the USA. Stay safe and stay carpy.